my name is Owen Walsh, and you're listening to the latest episode of Cabin Fever. Less a podcast than a group therapy session for writers, brewers, and friends from around the world who like to enjoy a beer together, but can't for now. There's a lot going on in the world right now, and under normal circumstances, we'd get together in the pub and thrash out our ideas over a beer or two. But we can't, because most of us now live in countries where it's impossible to go outside, never mind nip around the corner for a drink. So, we thought, we'd do it remotely. And on each episode of Cabin Fever, I'll be joined by friends from around the world to share a beer, to talk through our lives and to process what we're dealing with, and sometimes just have a bit of a moan. Listen in. I'm delighted to be joined on the latest episode of Cabin Fever by Emily Sauter, uh, based in New England, creator of Pints and Panels, beer educator, advanced Cicerone, and returning guest. Hi, Em, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. Uh, by Michael Kaiser, founder and creative director of Good Beer Hunting. Hi, Michael. Hello. And by Mark Dredge, beer, food, travel writer, whose most recent book, A Brief History of Lager, was published in 2019. Hi, Mark. Hey, good to be here. As is customary on the show at this point, we're going to do around the table just to see how everybody's doing this week, how everybody's been coping and what they're drinking. Maybe we can start tonight with you, Mark. How are you doing and what are you drinking? So I am drinking a lager. I think that will fit in. It's by... On point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. On brand. Yeah. Um, it's by Don Zoko, great brewery in, great brewery in the UK called Northern Hellas. Um, and how am I doing? You know, I think I'm doing really good. I think if you ignore the, the, the bullshit and the, the bad stuff and all the illness and everything, I think in a personal yeah. way, in a selfish way, I'm feeling kind of good. I'm kind of dealing with the situation pretty well. I've got like a decent routine, which I really like. Um, I'm drinking more beer than I have done before in a healthy way, healthier way. Um, so yeah, I think selfishly, I'm kind of all right. Those are not the. Those are not. That's not what we're on the show to talk about. It's supposed to be Sturm and Drang, and <laughs> everybody's full of angst and exhaustion and tiredness. Michael, maybe you can balance it out on the other side. Oh, How are boy. you doing? And what are you drinking? I'm here to bring you down. Uh, <laughs> I'm drinking uh, Solarium from uh, Middlebrow here in Chicago, which uh, it occurs to me as I open it that this represents everything that we've currently lost in in, in the U.S., uh, especially in Chicago or places like it, where it's uh, basically, it's mostly a taproom model. Um, it's a beautiful mm. little space that we all love and appreciate because of its warmth and hospitality and the way in which they serve their beers. And it was the taproom model that gave these folks life. And they've only been open for, gosh, maybe a year. Um, and then they just got hit by this wrecking ball. Uh, so, boy, I'm hoping that we can be back in there <laughs> at some point in the near future supporting those folks. Yeah. How are you doing yourself? You know, it's been uh, each day has a pendulum swing to it for me. I mean, from a family perspective, we're doing quite well. We isolated sooner than most because we have a we have a little boy. Uh, we have two boys. One is six, one is four. And our six-year-old has Down syndrome, so his respiratory uh, situation isn't ideal for something like this. So we isolated much sooner than most when we saw some of the scarier signals being sent. Um, so I think we're on like day 17 or 18. I don't even know anymore. Mm. Um, and as a family, we're doing quite well. Uh, you know, I'm focusing on the small business aspect of what the challenge that I'm taking on with good beer hunting. You know, we have a half a dozen, uh, salaried employees, and then we have a wide net of folks uh, around the world that are contract freelance and, you know, people on retainer that uh, this new legislation we have has a lot of implications for what we're going to be able to do over the next few months. And so, yeah, 
depending on the signals that yeah. come through each morning, I'm either up or down, and then by the evening, I'm usually in the opposite. So <laughs> it's pretty challenging <laughs> in that regard. Yeah, well, we can get into this sort of nitty-gritty of what it's like for you as a small business person in a bit, but I just want to check in with M and see how you're doing and what you're drinking. Um, I'm, I'm all right today. Um, it's, it's, we, I mean, I was listening to the podcast that I would, cause I was on the first yeah. episode and I was just, it's so weird to think of the things we were talking about merely what, three weeks ago or less yeah. is it's everything's changed. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's just very, very weird. You know, we're all kind of like, Oh, things are canceled. <laughs> and, and now we're like, Holy fuck. And it's, it's just, I'm, I am I don't know how to wrap my head around it, frankly. Um, I am <clears throat> drinking Area 2, which is the sour brewery arm of Two Roads. Um, their table terroir, it's their Abbey Single, yeah. made with all Connecticut grown ingredients. Three point, I have to run an errand after this. I have to go. My car <laughs> is getting its brakes done. Really? So I can't just like, yeah, well, the uh, auto mechanics are essential. Mm. And so, and since I'm an essential employee, I work at a brewery, which is also essential in my state. I get a discount for work. So I got 20% off my breaks. <laughs> so I'm like normally going to run an errand after this. So I didn't want to drink anything too high alcohol. So this is only 3.7%. That's very, but I wanted, yeah. That's very responsible of you. Um, that was one of the things I thought we could maybe chat about because when we spoke on the first episode, it was a little bit unclear for you what was going to happen next. I know your partner had been put on unemployment and you weren't really sure what's what was going to happen with the brewery that you're working at ha has has there been more clarity in that in the last couple of weeks yeah so my husband matt got his first unemployment check on monday uh and he will get those weekly and with the federal guidelines as well i think he'll get more money i'm not really sure um but the an unemployment check is is nice so that gives us at least some money coming in and then the brewery i work at fox farm is doing curbside um and the outpouring of people showing up to be fair it makes me uncomfortable because a lot of them are from out of state yeah. and they actually yeah so it's like people are driving from like new york and we don't have it's all contactless but it it makes me like, what if you're out here what else are you doing yeah. you know what else are you doing and it's a very weird like i'm 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 I have a lot of gratitude for them showing up. We have really great sales numbers. We're doing really well. People are being very generous with, you know, tipping. Uh, it's really great for my coworkers and I, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird double-edged sword. I don't really, some days I'm like, wow, this is great. And like that we're doing so well. And some days I'm just like, everyone stay home. Yeah. You'd wonder, I suppose your concern is whether or not people are really taking it as seriously as they should be. Yeah. And it's, it's, weird to go from like a couple weeks ago my mom was like oh it's fine to go to the grocery store and now someone in her town she lives in a small town has just passed away from coronavirus and she's like all she's starting to make masks for the hospital like it's so people are taking it it's the there's a turn people are starting to take it yeah. very seriously are you seeing that too in chicago um michael well i think we're in the midwest uh, which means on par i think we are more rule followers um, mm -hmm. so in my experience anyway, I mean, I, as I said, I hunkered down a little sooner than most, uh, we, we, I think as a city tended to hunker down faster and, and more consistently across the board. It seems our governor was, uh, sent very strong messages from the very beginning that this was serious and, and we were going to do some social isolation, uh, and for a long period of time, his, his timelines were always longer than the president's. 
Um, so he took he took the lead and he got a lot of praise for being strong and decisive and, and making the decision early. And because of that, our city is much more prepared than, uh, you know, I think we have probably a month lead time compared to what New York was dealt, um, which is yeah. extremely unfortunate. So we're learning quickly from what's happening on the East Coast and what happened in Seattle. We've already converted our major convention um, center into uh, into a makeshift hospital, basically, for beds. So um, we're, yeah. we're kind of moving forward on those kinds of fronts. We also have a mayor in Chicago um, who rules with a pretty strong fist, as Chicago mayors tend to do. Um, <laughs> so there was a lot of memes, actually, in Chicago about how stern she was being, and she sent the cops out to shut down the lakeshore and the parks. Um, she gave yeah. us, like, she basically gave us three days to voluntarily comply, and then she decided that we weren't being, volu- you know, we weren't volunteering well enough, and so she went and shut it down. Um, and the internet was sort of alive with some jokes about, you know, her being really stern and kind of bossy and teacher-like, um, but mostly with praise and appreciation for her taking a hard line on that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think that's a pattern you see replicated in a lot of places. I know from friends back in Ireland, it's sort of, the first advice was, we'd prefer if you didn't stay, we'd prefer if you didn't go out. And then when people went out, the advice was, well, you didn't take the advice, so it's not advice yep. anymore. You have to stay at home. Well, I think what we're seeing across the board is that um, it things like this don't work if you leave massive moral and ethical decisions in the hands of every small business, in the hands of every employee. Uh, this kind of leadership needs to come from the top in order to get the compliance that you need. Otherwise, people doubt its sincerity and they doubt its effectiveness and, and they all think it doesn't apply to their situation. Um, so everybody, you know, we don't really have things like this in our past in this country to, to point to and say, oh, this is like this, do it again. Um, everybody's yeah. sort of trying to find an excuse to ignore the severity of it because the, it seems incomprehensible. So that leadership has to come from the top uh, in order yeah. to get any kind of compliance. And you yourself, I mean, for those who know Good Bear Hunting, they'll know that on the one side you have the editorial, but on the other side you have the creative agency. Um, on the editorial, at least, the con- I mean, you guys have been doing a lot of work in the last couple of weeks. Is it hard to keep up with the news at the moment because things are changing so frequently? Uh, not from an intellectual perspective. It's more from like a, just a, an emotional bandwidth. Um, I mean, everybody that's working on GBH is doing an insanely good job right now, uh, far better than I ever could have imagined. And most of that's being driven by their own ambition and their own desire to do good and get information out to people who are making decisions, especially, you know, yeah. in the in the beer world and, and the hospitality world that's so affected right now. Uh, so I think, you know, and then also in the beginning, I think everybody had a little more downtime because it was basically, a, it felt like a couple of weeks of forced holiday, um, yeah. you know, doing some work helps take your mind off things. And so I think we saw a couple of weeks of some, uh, some extra effort being put in. Uh, but I've had to remind folks in the last few days that, um, you know, doing extra and doing well is, is great, but not at your own personal cost. And so I've been sort of forcing people to remind themselves to, to work at a lower capacity because... The emotional burden of what we're all going through right now uh, is not really sustainable, and I don't want the work to contribute to that burning out. So um, they're doing a phenomenal job as a group. We've got people like Johnny and Claire in the UK that have been working mm. uh, regularly. Um, in some mm. cases, I think Johnny's done more than normal uh, on the sightline side of things. And then on this side, we have Kate and Brian, Kate Bernat and Brian Roth yeah. leading sightlines. And that's where the bulk of the work has really been. I think that'll naturally taper off as the new normal sets in and people aren't scrambling for brand new information so, so much. Um, yeah. But also just, again, just trying to manage their output so that they're not overdoing it just because they feel a sense of purpose. And, you know, we're a group that likes to solve problems and they'll just keep working yeah, on yeah. it until 
until you slow them down. So trying to rein them in a little bit just for their own health. And, and a group with deep roots in the beer community who are seeing friends of theirs who own small businesses, breweries, or bottle shops and want to be able to kind of support in any way possible. And often the easiest way for them to support is to write about it. Absolutely. Showing those faces, telling those stories. In the very beginning, we had an editorial meeting, kind of all hands to ask, you know, what's appropriate right now? Let's read the room and make sure our tone is right and the things that we're emphasizing is right. And I think at first the group sensed a very large hesitation to do anything at all that felt not consequential. Um, But then by the end of the meeting, we did a good job, I think, of turning around and saying, you know, this is in its own way to the the industry we serve. It's an essential resource for information, but also uh, optimism and, you know, and storytelling. And that's going to be just as important as it ever was. So we kind of came out of the meeting with a renewed sense of purpose. Um, you know, scoped appropriately, I think, to the context of what's happening in people's lives right now. And that's where we saw the series of B-rolls. Like, people got excited, and yeah. they, were, they were reminded what we do really well, which is show the people, show the activity and the work involved and, the, and the, you know, the care that people put into these things. And they started taking photos of people delivering beer and making beer and trying to make the most of it in a crisis. Um, and I was really inspired and, and fulfilled by that. Yeah. Yeah, and at a certain point... Uh, coronavirus fatigue is going to sit in, isn't it? And people aren't going to... I mean, I know it's that's the case with me right now. I've kind of tuned out from the news at the moment because there's not much more that I, I either I can take or that I can get from, from, from the news. I'm quickly reaching that threshold on a daily basis. Uh, I mean, it's my natural yeah. tendency to just want to know everything all the time. Um, it kind of suits my personality. Um, but that's really taken a toll uh, these last few days, for sure. I've had to force myself to just put the phone down, put the news down and focus on some other things, go for a run, go for a walk, build something with the kids, uh, just to get my mind off it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mark, um, I know you're a keen runner. Has that been useful to you in keeping your mind off of, let's say any kind of negative? I know you said you were being very positive, but I'm sure deep down there's probably some existential (laughs) angst in there somewhere. As, as as getting out there and getting your running shoes on, has that been helpful to you in sort of just cleaning your, clearing out your head? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think if I couldn't do that, then I would be in a very different headspace and a very different kind of, yeah, but just, just it would be a very different situation for me. Um, I think I need that escape. You know, I think a few weeks ago, maybe 10 days ago, I, I was waking up every day and I was, the first thing I was doing was looking at the news on my phone. Like my alarm would go off, I'd just, you know, go straight to the news channel and I would read it and I'd wake up in a bad mood. I'd wake up unable really to do, to, to focus. Um, yeah. And, and that was a really bad situation. And, and I, I kind of vowed then pretty much straight away that that was it. I was going to look at the news once a day. Um, and I've stuck to that for, for well, yeah, 10 days, two weeks now. Um, and that for me has been kind of very important in terms of dealing with this. But otherwise, absolutely, getting out and running and getting out and moving. And L- London for the last two weeks has been wonderful. Like the weather has been beautiful. Yeah, It's been cold, but it's been sunny the whole time. And, you know, being out, there's a sense of, in a way, a sense of normality. I mean, it's a slightly new normal in that we're running a bit further away from people and you're, you're very much aware <laughs> that you can't get too close. We don't want anyone yeah. else to get too close to you. Um, but no, I, I think it's, for me, it's, it has been very important. And I've run a lot. I've, I've kind of, I've kind of set myself this target of kind of having this streak and wanting to continue, continue moving. And in a way, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, I was trying to keep a little journal kind of about the running as well as uh, primarily about the running, actually. But obviously real life jumps in. Um, yeah. 
and it's kind of become my way to explore and to travel. You know, I've lost this big element of my life where I would travel quite a lot. Um, and now actually my, my travel, my adventure is done on foot and it's seeing different parts of where I live, or it's seeing different parts of London, it's seeing different different areas that I'm just getting to on, you know, by foot. And whether it's kind yeah. of vicariously just thinking about other places or actually just seeing new parts of London. Yeah, it's kind of, it's an important part, it's an important thing for me right now. Yeah, I can imagine. You haven't gotten any grief from anybody in the parks because I've seen on social media some runners out there have been getting getting guff from passersby saying that they're not um, giving enough uh, leeway or enough social distance or anything like that. No, I haven't seen it. Although the park that I live next to is a really big park. It's, it's huge. Um, and they closed that a week or two ago, which is a real bummer because it's such a big space. So what you do see is more people running on the street outside and it puts a different pressure on the surrounding area, which for me mm. is a big negative. Um, and I'm, I'm always interested to, to, to see how writers and, and journalists are dealing with this because we had Pete Brown on the show earlier on in the week and he was in quarantine because he was worried of infection and he'd been working on a, on a book project in order to keep his mind occupied. For yourself, I mean, obviously a lot of your writing is to do, as you said, with beer and with travel. Has Have you had time, just sort of downtime at home when you're not running or when you're not doing anything else to kind of think about that, think about what you want to be writing about, think, think about coming up with new ideas? Uh, yeah, it's been quite good, actually. I've finished a couple of features in the last in the last week. Um, and yesterday I submitted a new book proposal. Um, and I've been working on another book proposal for several months. And I kind of finally, properly, hopefully, polished that off and send that off yesterday so it's been a good way for me to really focus on focus on that like I said right at the beginning like this selfish focus I can just do kind of what I want to do because there's nothing else no other pressures on me at the moment um so in terms of that in terms of that creativity absolutely I'd love I'd love to I'd love to be able to agree with you on that Michael I'm sure you're probably you and I are probably in similar situations there's not a lot of bandwidth for creativity right right now I should have said what I'm drinking um and how I'm feeling, because obviously I, I admitted that at the beginning. I am exhausted. It is Wednesday. Wednesday is always the hardest day of the week, if we're still considering a week to be five days, which I'm not sure if that's true anymore. Um, and I am drinking a Brasserie de la Seine Bruxellensis, because it was. I have a massive stash of them because I had a beer workshop that was due to take place uh, this week, which obviously is no longer taking place. So I thought I might as well drink it now. Um, but on a positive note, there's a grand stretch in the evenings now. It's getting bright late. So, you know, it's not as miserable as it used to be. And Mark, as you were saying, the weather here has been fantastic. And it's going to be a beautiful summer, summery weekend. So hopefully we'll get out and about. Yeah, I saw that. And park. it's now light. You know, it's, it's 7.30. It was still light here. It's wonderful. We can't go out. Yeah. It, but looking out the window, it no. looks nice. Well, yeah, I, I was I was wondering, and I don't know what the weather's like up in Connecticut. Um, but, you know, I was wondering, is it going to be easier when it's dark and gloomy outside and you have no reason to go outside? rather than the beautiful weather we've been having. And obviously we had some rain, and I know I've seen some people with snow over the last couple of days, and it was worse. It was just so grim. So it's good to see some sunshine outside. It's a beautiful day, actually. I used our clothesline for the first time today. <laughs> uh, so I had all my clothes out, and like the neighbors are out raking, and then our park isn't closed. They haven't closed it, although my husband and I went for a walk, and it was like last week. And they had to put signs up. Our mayor is very into, I live in a city of about 75,000 people. And our mayor is very into this. 
uh, hashtag think beyond yourself. And so we have all these signs that are like, don't forget to be like social distant. And it was hard to walk in the park. There were so many people you had to kind of yeah. like walk through the grass and then, oh, well, we'll walk this way. No. And it's just, it's almost easier to walk in the street because there are no less cars. So, but everyone's out and you're like asking how you're like, how they're doing. I had a really nice conversation with my next door neighbor um, this morning from our respective porches <laughs> and everyone's like, how you doing? So, you know, we're, everyone's checking up on everyone else in our neighborhood, but at the same time, it's, you're mostly indoors. I try to go out side and like walk around at least just walk around the block but at least i get to go to work yeah there's that too so but you got to maintain a lot of distance there's only like five or six of us at the brewery but still it's yeah it's just trying to like keep a distance from everyone because like you know you could be asymptomatic yeah it's exactly just kind of you like just don't know so, you don't know and like i trust my coworkers to wash their hands and whatnot but who knows? Now what's the f- that's the like what's the, what's the feeling there at the moment? Are people a bit anxious as you were saying, you know, with the number of people, or is it just sort of determination to get through this? I think it's you could try to do both. Uh, Connecticut has because of our proximity to New York City, there are, we have a lot of cases. There's about seventy or so deaths so far in my state, and there's about three million people that live here. Um, they were worried about the the president had mentioned something about like a hard quarantine for parts of Connecticut. Uh, and we had a guy drive all the way up to the brewery to be like, I don't know if you guys are going to, you know, if I'm going to be able to leave. So I drove all the way up here from Stanford and we were just like, gee, um, <laughs> like, get back in your car. Um, so it's, that's, it's not, it's going to get, I mean, they've changed the local, uh, the hospitals here are okay. Um, I gave blood last week. That was the one time I went out. Yeah. Because um, it's like, what can you? I I want to do something, but the best thing you can do almost is nothing. Do nothing, and that it makes you feel helpless. And I think that's why a lot of people are struggling with this. And then not being able to see family is also like I haven't seen my mom in like a month. I talk to her every day, but you know we're very close, so it's hard. It's, it's yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, no, that's understandable as well, you know. And it's just a situation yeah. we have to sort of persevere for the next little while. For us, it's entirely unclear when and if a new normal will return before the summertime. Um, so for us, it's particularly looking at will the children be going back to school before the summer? If not, what's going to happen? Are they going to have summer holidays? Aren't they, are they not? Are we going to have to live with them for the next six months at home until September? Um, they might not survive that. I might not survive that. Um, yeah, we don't have school. They've canceled it for the rest of the year. Like, there's their kids aren't going back until September. Really? Is what? It, yeah, that's yeah. that's actually becoming more common in the U.S. now. Yeah. Well, it's logical as well, isn't it? Because it just creates certainty for everyone. Exactly, and it unlocks yeah. uh, decisions for folks, right? And some in some cases, funding. Um, in some cases, they're able to reprioritize their energy and their focus elsewhere now. Instead of wondering if, if you're a teacher, you're not wondering if you're going to come back any minute now. You're, you can now start to organize your life in a different direction. And those kinds of decisions, going back to me saying that you know leadership comes from the top on something like this, yeah, um, that's what's baked into those decisions. It's why you know it's why Boris wouldn't wouldn't tell people that they were mandated to stay home because <laughs> he didn't want to unlock insurance claims uh, and things of that sort. Like all, all of those decisions carry weight. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and Michael, I know you're on the clock, so we're going to move into the last phase. Um, this is the chance for you guys to flag any kind of positives, negatives, strange new accommodations you've made in your life to the new normal that we're living at the moment. Um, as the host, I always have the prerogative of going first. Nothing particularly interesting has happened to me in the last couple of days. Um, I have resisted so far the trap of downloading um, a particular soccer uh, management simulator game. <laughs> uh, which, if anybody, Mark, I'm sure you're well familiar with the Football Manager franchise. It is basically the crack cocaine of computer games. I have so far as yet resisted the urge to download it because it is death to any productivity. I have, however, been following YouTubers playing it. So that's sort of my that's sort of my methadone right now in 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 getting through without going really deep. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of. I guess if I'm looking for a bright spot um, in the U.S., we're seeing. Uh, a number of laws that have been unnecessarily restrictive going back to prohibition times just suddenly thrown open. Uh, you're, yeah. allowed, you know, you're allowed to do direct delivery. You're buying and shipping directly from breweries, things that only wineries in the U.S. could do for some for some time now. Um, all of this is happening. You know, the, so the the access to market in terms of uh, legal permissions, at least, is wide open right now for bars, restaurants, breweries far more than ever before. That's happening at the exact same time uh, prior to COVID, but certainly during COVID, where distributors who control access to market in the U.S. mandated through the federal uh, three-tier system. Um, or it's not a federal system, but um, I take that back. But the three-tier system that exists state by state. Yeah. Uh, they've already, you know, prior to COVID, they were they were focusing down, narrowing down on SKUs, trying to eliminate underperformers in their portfolio anyway. Um, since the COVID crisis, they've basically just picked their top 20 or their top 30 and said everybody else has to fend for themselves. And those top 20 or 30 brands are now the only ones they're bothering to stock in those grocery stores, which are a boom market right now. We're having multiple Fourth of Julys in a row, basically, from a sales perspective. Um, yeah. So in the end, I think that sets us up for a brave new world of beer laws in the U.S. because <laughs> it's going to be very, very difficult to put some of those laws back in place. When you have all of these producers saying, look, during this crisis, I wouldn't have been able to sell beer any other way. And now I have consumer behavior and sentiment built up around this that we want to keep in place because that's going to be the growth engine for my business if I'm ever going to make a comeback. Um, it'll remain to be seen if distributors fight that or if they accept that as a win-win where they no longer have to pay attention to those underperformers and let them fend for themselves in a much more wide open market from a legal perspective. So uh, I won my eBay jigsaw puzzle a bid last night. So, so many puzzles. Yeah, uh, yeah. We were about to finish our cat sleeping in a box, and I'm, we're going to do a trade of with that puzzle with my uh, my husband's coworker. Old coworker has some puzzles. So, um, but yeah, we're getting the winter white uh, lighthouse scene comes next week. <laughs> uh, so yay! Um, but I've been uh, been doing some. Uh, my Patreon, I've been doing portraits of everyone as like a thank you for supporting me through this time. And then I've also been doing, I'll draw your favorite beer, really whatever you want for 40 bucks. And I'll say, I'll uh, donate $10 to direct relief. So if you're interested in doing that, uh, it's on the Pints and Panels website and it's in a, it's in the store of the Pints and Panels. So if you go to that and I've talked about it on my socials. So uh, I've got to draw. I got to draw a heritage bottle of Sam Adams Boston Lager this morning, uh, and it was really satisfying. Um, so it's nice to keep drawing and keep working. Um, but yeah, it's and then we don't have delivery in Connecticut yet. But the fact that people can roll up and get beer in their trunk, who knows what the future will be? And our governor Ned Lamont's been really great 
through all of this. Um, and so who knows, that could be a thing that's happening. It would be interesting to see. So, but yeah. What about you, Mark? You know, I think it's fascinating seeing how breweries are adapting to this. Like, it's amazing to hear those new legislations or those legislation changes in the US. Over here, we've seen breweries set up online shops almost overnight just to kind of just well, kind of just to survive but it's created this whole new this whole new market and it's this this change in consumer habit as well which I think is going to be interesting going forward you know I never really used to drink at home but now I've completely changed the way I drink in that I probably used to not drink through the week and then just go a bit mad at the weekend whereas now I'm taking great pleasure in opening one or two beers every night and actually sitting down and pouring it out, opening my notebook, writing some things about it, thinking about it. It's kind of enforced a slowdown in a way. Mm. And I wonder how this is going to impact, because this is not a short-term thing. You know, this isn't going to be like a two-week holiday that we're, that we're all having. You know, this is, this is a long-term change and people get into these new habits. Um, and I, I'm fascinated to see actually how it's going to kind of change the industry going forward and change what people just, just like to do. They realize that actually maybe going to the pub every day wasn't what they like doing, or maybe it's the opposite way around. They miss it so much that they can't wait to they can't wait to go back. But no, it's um, it's a fascinating time. Otherwise, my sourdough starter that I've always wanted to do is no absolutely flying. Yeah. I'm that guy. Yeah. So yeah, it's absolutely flying. It's looking brilliant. So all is good. I've pickled and fermented everything I possibly can in the flat, um, and yeah, cooking loads more than I used to. It's you know. That's my that's my positive. <laughs> it's good to see you're thriving during quarantine anyway, Mark. For now, yeah. If you speak to me in like two weeks' time and I'll be like, I, yeah. my sourdough starter died. I've, I've tried to run a marathon in my kitchen. Uh, you know, I'm just in a really bad place. I've drunk all the beer. Yeah, we'll see. Um, before we wrap up, I just want to say a huge thanks to everybody who's been listening and who's gotten in touch to say they're enjoying the show. Um, it's not just about the people who are on, the guests. I'd love to hear how you guys are dealing with... Um, the current situation, wherever it is that you are, what you're drinking and what kind of coping mechanisms you've developed, uh, sourdough starters or otherwise, to get through it. Mm -hmm. Um, But for now, uh, I want to say thanks to M, Mark and Michael for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Stay safe out there. Take care of yourselves. Um, Good luck in the next couple of weeks and look forward to having you back on the show again in a few weeks' time. Great. Cheers. Thanks so much. Great to hear all your voices. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, cheers. And that's it for today's episode of Cabin Fever. Many thanks to our guests and to all you listeners out there. If you enjoyed today's show, do make sure to subscribe and we'd really appreciate it if you'd give us a review on whatever podcast platform you're using. Until the next time.